just on that, there is a red flag I think we should mention with lower back pain um, and if there is no urination, so cordoquina. I think if you're getting patient with back pain, um, I think nervy type pain and they like haven't evacuated their bladder um, rather than just saying that. I was just going to say peed, but I was just like, oh, maybe I should be a bit more professional. Professionalism Um, is out. It would be a first. Welcome back to the Forever Young Podcast, a Chinese medicine podcast hosted by Chinese medicine graduates. We release episodes every week on a new on a Thursday. And if you're new here, feel free to subscribe or follow us to keep up to date with our uploads. I'm Brendan and I'm joined by Charlene. Hello. Nick. Hey guys, how are we going? And Timothy. Hey yo. We're doing a little bit of an early one today, so um, if anyone's anyone's had a little bit on the tired side, aka me. Um, <laughs> that's probably <Yeah>. why. <laughs> now, every time I have, I'm in, in the morning, I've got like a little, my voice is a lot lower. So mm-hmm. you kind of, if you hear the other episodes, we, you know, might record, I don't know, um, like later in the morning, I'm a bit more awake, but right now I'm just like, welcome back. Guys. <laughs> <Podcast>. <laughs> anyway, this is currently part five of our multi-part series where we run through the musculoskeletal issues that we see day to day as practitioners. Um, if this so happens to be the first episode you watch of the series or of our podcast, it probably is a little bit helpful to listen to the introductory episode of this um, of the series, as well as the little earlier ones to keep up to date. Basically, what we're aiming for when we're talking about musculoskeletal, uh, musculoskeletal conditions is to analyze them and touch on parts of the anatomy we need to keep in mind when we're looking at certain, condition, uh, certain conditions. Uh, we'll also work our way from the head and neck all the way down to the lower limb and feet. Um, we'll touch on the Western medicine testing and treatments for these conditions. But as being a Chinese medicine podcast, we'll look at how to treat them with acupuncture and other means within the Chinese medicine perspective and what our common diagnosis would be as well as, you know, forever young fashion, um, following, throwing in a story here and there. Um, musculoskeletal conditions tend to be some of the most common conditions seen in a clinic. So I hope this proves useful to either those coming into practice or those looking to start practicing soon. So today we'll be talking about the lower back and hip. And to be honest, I wrote a lot on this. Um, I'm actually looking forward to, to this topic. Um, we'll cover, we'll, we'll of course cover the structures of the hip and the lower back, as well as some conditions like lower, um, like lower back pain, um, SIJ pain, uh, sciatica, piriformis syndrome, groin pain, and other, any other sprains and pains that we can think of. Um, and I'm going out on a limb, I was going, I was going, uh, go as far as to say that lower back and hip is my most common chief complaint at my clinic. Um, I see it in all walks of life, the young, the old, the missus, the me. <laughs> Pretty much it doesn't discriminate when it comes to like who it affects. So it's never really too hard to locate why lower back is in pain because there isn't too much going on. So I feel like it's not too hard unless there's like some vertebrae involved um the hip however um more so for me anyway the gluteal region seems to be one of the little harder ones to navigate because if you look at the region of the hip um because of the shape of the hips you see there's a lot of muscles strong ones of that because it's stabilizing your whole body that weave in and out 
of the openings of the hip bone to control and stabilize the leg and the whole body. I mean, like, like I said, it's in charge of your, like your center of mass for humans. So you'd expect it to be a quite intricate in the same light. You also see a lot of problems with it. Lower back. I, I, this is usually where I ask like why lower back um, is seen a lot, but I feel like it's kind of about talk of it, We've talked about it before. Like the fact is where uh, improper posture as well, improper form, which seems to encompass the majority of most patients, um, even when the vertebrae is involved. I know when I treat hip pain, though, um, it involves a lot of investigation, what brings on the pain and what's restricted. Orthopedic tests and functional measures really become important when we uh, look at this. Um, so, you know, I've had my rant. I, I do really like these topics. So I'm going to throw an open question to you guys. Um, don't leave me hanging. <laughs> um, I did half answer this question, but why do you, why do you think we see you know, lower back and hip as one of the more common ones more than like some of the other ones we've covered. And do you think we can get a why? Oh, which actually rather, which one is more common? Hip, a lower back, and why? Not all ones. I said uh, oh. that hanging. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just going to give the other guys a chance if they wanted to talk. So I think the reason why, I think there's a few questions that you asked there, but... <clears throat> For me, one of the most, one of the reasons why it's the most common is probably due to posture. I think in our current society, because we tend to use the computer more or those doing manual labor, we aren't really taught how to properly do things. Like when we're sitting down, what's our posture like? Or if we're like lifting boxes or doing all this stuff, we aren't really taught how to do this stuff in school. And so from that, we normally take that into like our work and our daily life. And that affects our lower back, especially those who sit down at computers for long periods of time or yeah, just that sort of stuff is, I think why we tend to get lower back issues more. It's a lose-lose situation. I feel like, sorry, Nick, you're about to talk and I'm about to cut you off. I am. <laughs> <laughs> and this one, this one's intentional because I want to throw this in. It's a lose-lose situation when you, when it's like, you're immobile, it's not going to help. But if you're overactive, it's not going to help either. So it's like, what do you do? Okay, go on, Nick. (laughs) (laughs) Even if you are taught what to do, it's it's very easy to become lazy um, and to fall into bad posture or bad form. Um, You know, lifting boxes and or just lifting generally heavy things um, puts can put quite a strain on your lower back. And it can just be easier to um, just sort of reach over and grab it um, rather than, you know, bend it, like squat it, going down into like a squat position and bending your knees. Um, And even like with sitting, you know, it becomes very easy to sort of go into a lax, um, a lax position where you're not supporting your lower back and your hips um, and, you know, you're getting forward tilt and, all that type of stuff. And that comes back up to your upper back as well. And we did discuss that uh, a couple of weeks ago, you know, with bad posture, sitting at desks all day. So that support is really important because I'm going to do a quick 
history evolution lesson. <laughs> um, the lower back, I guess, is less built for um, supporting our weight because I guess previously we were walking on um, four limbs and therefore it didn't have to support that much of our body weight. But now as we um, evolved, we're walking on two limbs now and those structures have not changed much. So they are not necessarily for weight bearing. Um, which is what we use them for now. All of like the lower back supports all of our body weight. So um, I guess to sum up what everyone said, that support and that posture, um, and do like picking things up and kind of like moving properly is super important to it. Which is why it affects anyone and everyone. That's a really good point. That's a really really good point. And like like you said, it's not. I guess it's not made to like bear a load and if you kind of think about it it's like when you're in a full 90 degree right mm. and like you're lifting something i know i'm doing like a demonstration you can kind of see the differences in my mic <laughs> when i yeah. when i do it but like you're at 90 degrees and essentially it's working like a bicep if you kind of compare it to your arm like and it shouldn't be doing that and that's where you get a lot of the the sprains and pains and stuff so i can definitely see that there's a really good video describing it's like a little wooden statue dude and he bends over and picks up a load um and he shows you how your spine curves if you don't bend your knees and how it curves if you do bend your knees oh true um, it's yeah i i don't know where to find it but it's a really good it just comes up every now and then um i'm sure we can find it on youtube but that, that's yeah. a good point in itself too like uh bend, simply bending your knees reposition if you think about it repositions your hips to um basically employ the, the right muscles for you to lift um which makes a lot of sense i never thought of it that way when you bend your knees it kind of moves your hips and doesn't employ your lower back to take the load it's more into like your your quads which are a lot stronger muscles and it's and less stability muscles and more load bearing yeah which which takes us into our sort of next topic and setting up for the rest of the podcast um clinically the lower back is is very important um and can contribute to other um issues or or dysfunctions and other issues and dysfunctions can contribute to lower back pain so because it is in that center uh center of mass like we were saying before you've got you know, you clinically, you should also look at the feet and the knees and to see how well they are and then travel up the back into the, to the upper back and shoulders to see how that is being uh, affected by the lower back as well. So, and we'll get, we'll travel into this a little bit longer later in the podcast, but to, to see that stuff clinically and to be able to connect all these dots, I think is is an important step in um, treating lower back pain and making sure that lower back pain doesn't cause other issues um, for them in the future and to be able to, you know, get them back to function properly again. Um, Beautiful. All right. Do you think we could jump into the conditions now? What are we thinking? Yeah, yeah let's do it. I mean, I right, we've, Basically, the first one on the list is lower back pain. <laughs> I feel like that we kind of like dived into it just enough. I feel like uh, Charlene's point about not bearing a load is pretty self-explanatory for lower back pain. You're not supposed to take a load. So essentially, you're straining, you're pulling, you're tearing muscles there, causing a little bit more of a, a sprain in that sense. 
yeah, and you can get that sort of like weakness um, and that like dull aching type of pain. And in TCM, it's a, we we also incorporate like the kidneys as well into this uh, into this region. I mean, they are located there, and Western meds incorporate them in the sense of um, kidney infections um, and um, upper urinary tract or lower urinary tract infections, that type of stuff. But in terms of um, TCM kidney function and kidney deficiency, um, and if you're a bit bit shaky on what the kidney does, go back and have a listen to our introductory series about the kidneys. Um, we do explain quite a bit in there. Um, but yeah, the kidney deficiency, especially in like an older population, can cause quite a lot of that lower back problem. Um, and so you can get that sort of like dull, achy, um, quite weak lower back and knees from like kidney chi deficiency, which happens naturally over time, but can be built up so that the patient doesn't have to feel pain. You transitioned from uh, Chinese med, sorry, Western med to Chinese med midway through that. Is that right? What was that? Sorry? You, trans you transitioned through from Western medicine to Chinese medicine midway. Is that right? Sorry, I missed that. Yes. <laughs> yes, you <laughs> did. I talked about urinary tract infections and kidney infections. Yeah. Chi deficiency. Yeah, because you, I was like, oh, okay, Western that. medicine has chi. Nice. <laughs> no, I mean, when it comes to um, Western medicine lower back, if it's not muscular, I find that it gets a little bit more alarming when it becomes, when a lower back pain becomes a little bit more Western medicine. Uh, sorry, internal, um, when you get like kidney pains. And um, so, yeah, like, like I said, in, like you said before, indicative of like kidney disease and or an inflammatory um, in that area per se, um, that's more internal linked. It gets a little bit more alarming. So usually if I see something like that, that's not really muscular, I tend to kind of direct them to get further testing involved, like a, like a, a urine test or something like that, or sometimes maybe an ultrasound or an x-ray just to see what's going on. Cause I feel like the internal side to lower back pain, that's not just muscular, can get quite sinister sometimes. Yeah, that's right. And that's, that's the importance of uh, knowing about Western medicine in the Chinese medicine world. Um, you know, knowing the, how, how the kidneys work and how sort of the urinary tract, tract works um, to be able to identify blockages or uh, infections. You know, is there anything wrong with, um, is there anything wrong with their urine? Do they have any burning sensations, pain, you know, stuff like that. Um, it's quite important to be able to distinguish and, and see these differences. Just on that, there is a red flag I think we should mention with lower back pain um, and if there is no urination, so cordoquina, I think if you're getting patient with back pain, um, I think nervy type pain and they like haven't evacuated their bladder um, rather than just saying, I was just going to say peed, but I was just like, oh, <laughs> so maybe I should <laughs> Be a bit more Again, professional. Professionalism um, is out. It would be yeah. a first. <laughs> um, but yes, if they haven't peed in a while, then refer them to the emergency or something like that. Because um, yeah, it's yeah, emergency immediately. Mm -hmm. um, the other symptoms with cordoquina you'll often get is um, paral sat uh, paral sat. There's a. a I, I really feel like it starts to. 
Yeah, I remember this. Saddle, saddle. Paris. Paris saddle. Like numbness. Like <laughs> yeah, it feels like you've been sitting on a bike seat for too long, um, so you get like numbness <laughs> in the in the lower groin, um, and you can also in males um, have an erection that lasts uh, a lot longer than it should. Um, so if you, if you are getting these type of symptoms, go to the emergency room immediately, uh, because if I believe it, if it's treated within 12 hours, um, it's curable. But I think like every hour after 12, like I'm not 100% sure on the, the time scale on 12 hours, but it, the longer you leave it, the more likely that you'll end up as a paraplegic. So, so it's quite serious. It's serious, 100%. Um, other than the muscular pain and the internal pain of lower back, you also have essentially vertebrae, um, like like we talked about in the upper in the upper back. Um, you have the regular DJD, which you see also a lot in the elderly. Um, the de- degenerate degeneration of the actual vertebrae bones that causes it might cause some nerve impingements and some muscle pain in that regard, um, especially within the actual vertebrae itself. Um, so that's a kind of easy one to grasp. Another one. That is a little bit harder to treat, in my opinion, um, is the uh, slip discs. Um, so slip, slip discs is where um, the intervertebral discs, the discs in between the vertebra, or the vertebrae, kind of uh, slip out or herniated discs, sorry, um, where there might be a, I don't, I don't know if it's actual like, not an incision, but like a tear in the, um, in the actual uh, like the sac, so the fluid comes, like the fluid slightly comes out, or if it's just like a misposition. Um, I'm not. I'm the first it, one. Um, there's there's different grades. Yeah, yeah. So, so there'll be different grades of, of said. So uh, you can you can go into it if you want, Nick. Yeah, I've got I've got the grades in front of me here. Uh, so there's there's four stages of a disc slip or protrusion or whatever you want to call it. <clears throat> so the first one is a disc protrusion. Um, so it's it's starting to sort of come out of that little chamber that it's in. Um, and this can cause a little bit of pain. It often pushes on the surrounding structures and nerves. Um, so you, you, you can, yeah, you'll, more than likely you'll feel some sort of pain. Um, however, it is quite common and you don't always feel pain if, if you sort of know what I'm talking about. Um, the second stage or grade is a prolapse disc. So it's, it's coming out into that, that, um, spinal cord region. Yeah. Into that spinal cord region. And this is where, you know, more than likely you'll have uh, quite a bit of pain because it is, it is making quite a difference in that, in that region in terms of pushing on nerves and pushing on muscles, causing quite a bit of inflammation. I mean, that fluid has to go somewhere. So, once it once it is, you know, prolapsed, um, it has to push against some of these structures. Um, you know, the the body is designed in a very specific way to do very specific things. So once these cause dysfunction, um, you get quite a lot of pain or you know numbness, tingling, nerve pain, sharp shooting pain, this type of stuff. Uh, the third grade is disc extrusion. So this is where it's pushed through that second layer. Um, of the spinal cord and that fluid is starting to sort of go out into into the the surrounding structures um, which can be quite bad and then the fourth 
is a sequestrated disk. So that's where it's really quite, well, it's come out of that, the dip, uh, the, that, the, that surrounding spinal cord, and then it really is um, causing pain um, in all that structures, all the muscles, all the nerves. Uh, you'll get quite a bit of pain, uh, quite a lot, quite a lot dysfunction in wherever this is, um, and you'll get sharp shooting pain, um, neuropathies, and so that's like tingling and numbness in your wherever it is, depending on what level it is, you'll have a different section that is quite numb or tingly um, and can be quite hard to treat from there. Amazing. That was dope. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, dude. Um, can we move on to sciatica? Um, oh, I, the other thing I wanted to touch oh, on, go on for lower back pain um, in Chinese medicine-wise, you can also have a cold invasion in the lower back. Oh, yeah, um, that's a good one. And I thought, yeah, I would just mention that because we did talk about kidney deficiency. So you can have also a cold invasion in the lower back. Um, it's, it's sort of common, not uncommon. Um, but, you know, the other, other aspect of cold invasion that we often talk about is uh, cold invasion in the uterus, which is like a gynae condition. Um, which I assume we which we will talk about eventually in this podcast. Um, we we will get some gynae specialists on, have a good chat about gynecological conditions, eventually. But cold invasion in the lower back can be um, quite a thing. Cupping is really good for that. I mean, you taught me that. I think. Yeah, cupping cupping is great for you know drawing out the cold um, from the muscles, and then you know using moxa and acupuncture. Form it back up. Yeah, That's I like it. that. I like that. Um, in relation to uh, lower back pain or the slip discs and all that, I feel like sciatica is a pretty good one to transition to. Um, sciatica essentially is just a, a nerve impingement that does affect the innervation of the actual leg itself. Um, then that's where you get the, ting the tingling or numbness in one leg or in the, in, within the toes. Um, and it can also sometimes functionally affect some of the muscles. I feel like rarely but not rare enough to not look at it. <laughs> um, so it, it, and link, linking back to what we're talking about, lower back, uh, DJD, slip discs, um, it can be due to a range of those um, where the muscle is inflamed and it's actually impinging on the nerve um, or if the disc itself is kind of slipping the vertebrae one way, causing more, um, more pressure on that nerve and allow creating... Um, basically creating, creating the um, numbness and tingling through that way. Um, I, I feel like sciatica is not a hard one. I like, I like when I get sciatica like cases because I'm like, yeah, I know, I know pretty much how to do this. You, you look for the inflamed area. You look for the hardness. You look for the, maybe even some redness if it's pretty acute or whatever. Um, feel around. And once you relieve that, uh, relieve that muscle, you kind of get almost a, oh, through acupuncture and all that, you do, you do see a difference almost like just the next day or even straight away. Sometimes they're just like, Oh, you know, I'm, I don't, I'm looking at that tingling anymore. And it's actually quite gratifying as a practitioner to see that. Yeah. So sciatica is um, defined by that, by that nerve pain that runs all the way down, down the leg. Um, and I believe due, uh, to def define sciatica, sciatica, it has to come all the way down to your calf muscle, at least um, to be true sciatica. 
Um, and yeah, like people were saying, it's, it is relatively easy to treat. Um, something's impinging on that sciatic nerve, um, which runs through the sciatic foramen in your in your hips, um, which which is a quite a tight hole. Um, quite a few structures run through there. Quite a few, um, the sacral plexus, I think, is is in and around that area. Um, you have your sciatic nerve, you have piriformis muscle as well. All these things like run through that little hole, and then which you know, like we were saying at the start of this podcast, it's quite easy to cause dysfunction um, and and um, displacement in your hips because they're not they're not designed to be bipedal and stand up and you know caught, have all this weight on them. So it's quite easy to cause sciatic pain, sciatica, and quite easy to treat though as well. That's awesome. <laughs> ah, goodness. Um, yeah, so sciatica is a really good one. Also, uh, sciatica is also great to, te- to treat because usually patients come in and they're quite, uh, I don't know if I should say disturbed, but they're, they're just like, man, like this, this, this pain is so sharp. Like, I don't, I don't like this. And like when you, when you treat them, it, it, it does, it does pretty, feel pretty good when it's done. Um, but also in a Chinese med to, uh, before we move on to like hip and stuff, just a quick Chinese med, uh, perspective, uh, cause we we're talking about kidney. Uh, I figured that we kind of go into it. Um, so lower back pain, you think kidney, but because the bladder runs, the bladder meridians run down the, down the muscles at the back, um, you tend to see more of like bladder, I guess, I guess you can kind of say bladder 17 and onwards, um, bladder 17 down. Um, if it's more of the lower back portion, I tend to look at a lot of bladder 23, bladder 25, bladder 28, um, just to kind of keep things going. And especially Huato Jaji to get really into very close to the spine. If you're looking at more sacral lower back, I think 28, 30, 32, is where I usually go. 32 is a little bit of a hard one sometimes, or sorry, 31, 32, 34, um, tend to be a little bit harder because you have to actually get into the sacral foramen. Can get a little bit tricky, um, but definitely the results are quite worth it, especially for bladder 32 for me anyway. Yeah, when treating sciatica, I also, just because we're talking about treatments, um, Mm. I also like to look at the liver and gallbladder um, channels and dysfunction. Um, the the wind aspect of the liver um, can and treating the gallbladder as well um, can cause quite a little lot of this pain. Um, it often runs down that gallbladder channel uh, down the leg. Um, so using points like gallbladder thirty four, um, thirty is it thirty one the soldier point? Yeah, thirty one. Thirty one. Yep. Um, and forty one as well. So you know using those points to sort of dredge the meridian can do wonders um, as well as you know, obviously treating, treating the, the path of the pain, the lower back pain, the lower back, um, trying to release some of those muscles, you know, glute med, piriformis, uh, glute max, you know, trying to really get into those muscles and reduce the, infl- I hate the word inflammation, Re- reduce that, you know, reduce. The puffiness. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just trying to reduce that stagnation in those muscles, um, trying to get things flowing properly again. And like you were saying, it's it's really 
it's quite easy to to treat these sim- syndromes um, and have the patients symptom free pretty much you know either that day or the next day um, whether that lasts um, is you know up to the patient and you know you have to inform them about some exercises and stuff like that and doing the homework and you know maybe referring them to a physio or an osteo um, but getting them back on track um, and getting them somewhat pain-free is is a massive start definitely and you can with um with those what you were saying before um the gallbladder area you're saying like there's a wind aspect sometimes when treating the liver meridian in the same way that there's a lot of could be a damp or sometimes even damp heat when it comes to gallbladder um a lot of the time especially with the hip um I do see sometimes there's some sometimes a damp obstruction when it comes to the hip area um, that go, undergoes a lot of movement and things like that, and might allow damp and like that. That joint's a very active joint, and damp sometimes accumulates within joints, and that's not a good time. But using the gallbladder, it's really effective in terms of draining that damp, especially because the meridian does run through the hip, um, which is actually quite lovely. Does somebody want to sort of run through the the difference between the types of pain? Um, when considering like damp heat and wind, I'll throw it to Tim because I haven't heard him all podcast. I know that's what I was. Say, <laughs> uh, uh, I miss him. Hey oh, Tim. No. Hello. <laughs> Hi. How are you going? Yeah, not bad. Long time no here. Long time no talk. <laughs> long time no listen. Ah <laughs> uh, yes, long time no listen. Um, I see a bus. I see a. I see a bus. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's already. It's already here. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's right. It's like run over him and gone into reverse and run over him. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, The front driver's Nick and the back driver's V. Yeah, like go Nick, go. I'm just a passenger. (laughs) I know that's along for the ride. Just just there to add weight to the to the bus. (laughs) So we're talking about types of pain here, Tom. Yep. Yep. Just kick you into gear. (laughs) Um, so with, with wind sort of types of pain, it tends to travel around the body. So, um, you tend to see, uh, I guess you could say with the lower back, you could typically see, um, traveling pain along the back. So it can go from lower back down to like the glutes and the hips sort of region. Um, what was the other types of pain that you talked about? Damn Pete. Damp heat, damp heat tends to be more sort of like very heavy on the inflammation. You tend to see more swelling, more puffiness, more sort of heaviness in that region. So difficulty to move, limited range of move, motion. Um, damp heat tends to accumulate, so it tends to be more chronic. So it tends to be happening for a build, like a buildup. The patient tends to be more... Um, larger as well in the typically in cases and there is a chance of having oedema or any other sort of related issues in the uh, like lower jowl sort of region um, and that's it is there any other types of pain that we see in the lower back well there's, there's a stabbing there's always there's always a stabbing and stuff the sharp nervy pain um, that's usually just you a, like a simple blood stag sometimes, sometimes even a, a, a dysmenorrhea too, if you want to go that far. Um, like a like a period-related pain can be a little bit sharp. Can be also dull too. Um, that's a good thing to talk about, uh, period pains or lower backs or hip pain due to period. Um, yeah, I think that's a good segue into 
an, another two different types of pain, which is a deficient sort of pain, which is like B was saying, which is the more sort of dull sort of pain because it's like there's not enough blood nourishing, blood and chi nourishing to that area. So you get a lot of dullness because there's not enough nutrients going to that that causes some sort of stagnation pain um, as well as, yeah, just generally blood stag, just not so moving to that area. The stagnation more of the excessive side, if you're, if you're looking at deficient and excessive, I guess. Yeah. Um, and we see, get to see, tend to see that a lot. Um, now talk to touched a little bit on the hip. I feel like we can go teeny bit more. Does anyone want to, I'm, I'm not too re- well rehearsed with piriformis syndrome. But does anyone want to go in on that one? Uh, piriformis syndrome is, is quite common um, and often misdiagnosed as sciatica or sciatica is misdiagnosed as piriformis. Sciatica is misdiagnosed and it's normally piriformis syndrome. Um, and you're getting that sharp shooting pain, but it stays in the lower back. It doesn't travel down the leg. It's not really um, inflammation of the nerve. It's, it's your piriformis, which runs through that foramen. Um, so it starts in it's at origin. It's at the sacrum and, above, and it finishes... Um, on the the head of the femur there, or somewhere around there, um, and because it runs through that foramen where that sciatic nerve is, can cause quite a bit of pain and dysfunction. Um, Periformis syndrome is, you know, quite easy to treat. You you obviously diagnose, have a look at some uh, some range of motion in the lower back, and see if if that pain really does travel down the leg, you know, how much is that sciatic nerve uh, being impinged, this and that. Um, so you've decided that, okay, well, it's not really sciatica. You're not getting that pain coming all the way down the leg. Um, let's have a look at some of those lower back muscles. Um, you look at glute strength. Um, so um, what's that test called? Where you stand on one leg? I feel like it's the, no, I'm That's thinking the of the knee one, the one yeah, where you stand on one knee. Yeah, I was thinking that too. But um, I, I get what you mean. Um, there's a test where you you get them to stand yeah, yeah. on one leg and to see if the glute um, is being activated or if it's if it's being able to hold the weight of the uh, the pelvis. And you're getting, you know, you're sort of looking at all of these muscles, seeing if they're actually doing what they're meant to do. Um, and yeah, often you'll find that the piriformis is quite weak. Um, or quite uh, stagnated or hypertonic, um, whichever, and pretty much just needle the piriformis um, and obviously do your other TCM type of points. But when you're needling in the lower back, you know, look for um, releasing the glute med, piriformis, glute max, um, you know, and try and do some of that strengthening type points in the lower back and yeah, you'll, you'll get some pretty good results. Also, the test name is called Trendelenburgs. 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 Very, very long name for something that's just standing in one leg. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Trendelenburg. Hey, he's the, nah, nah, he's the man. The, man. The, the beauty comes out of the simplicity, I can tell you. That's it. That's <laughs> it. Without Mr. Trendelenburg, we, mm. wouldn't be, we wouldn't be able to identify some of that glute. Mm. Dysfunction. 
factual. Shout out to yeah. shout out to Trendelenburg. <laughs> it reminds me of the was it the Hindenburg? He's dead. The big blimp. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's obviously not going to be able to listen to the podcast, mate. Unless, I, unless we transcend into the spirit zone. <laughs> well, you never know. <laughs> forever young. Um, That's why we're called forever. Mm-hmm. All right. Charlene, you look like you had something to say. You're like, ah. Uh, I was just going to say, just on testing, the straight leg raise is also yeah. really, yeah, really simple, really good as well. S- Slump test is a good one for sciatica too. And just mm-hmm. that whole general region to see if there's any nervy pain going on. Mm-hmm. This kind of like separate between nerve pain and muscle pain. Like people will be usually be like, ah, it hurts. Mm-hmm. But more so it's the, it's kind of to, uh, I wouldn't say exacerbate to bring on the, um, like the nerve uh, sensations that you get when you're mm-hmm. like, when you're in your everyday life to just recreate that and see how you go. Um, yeah, oh, Nick, the- go on. Orthopedic testing and muscle testing is uh, quite important in the lower back. So, you know, you'll, and the other uh, structure that we haven't really touched on, but is, is quite important is the SIJ joint, sacroiliac joint. Um, so you can get quite a bit of dysfunction through that joint, inflammation, uh, you know, uh, pain in that joint. Um, and using orthopedic testing, there's a range of six, seven-ish tests. Um, that you can use to to distinguish if it is SIJ joint or SIJ pain, or if it's you know lower back pain or something else, um, some other structure involved. Um, I don't have the list. Does anybody have the list of um, the list of tests for um, SIJ joint, SIJ pain, the test cluster? I'm bringing it up now, uh, but yeah, my point, my point being that it's it's quite important to um, use some of these orthopedic testing in the lower back to really know what you're looking for. Um, using the Trendelenburgs to see if there's any gluten involved, well, if they if the glutes are being involved, or they're just sort of just hanging on there to be to be the booty. Um, <laughs> you like that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so bad. I, I literally yeah. unmuted myself just so I could laugh at that. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> just there to be the booty. That's right. it. Um, so you know, you're looking at whether it's um, if there is some disc involvement. You know, if they're getting any of that nervy shooting pain. If it's that SIJ pain or any SIJ involvement, um, you know, so orthopedic testing is, yeah, very important um, in the, the lower back. Um, I've got them, oh, I've got them here. So you do distraction, compression, so you pull them apart, pull them together, uh, a thigh thrust, a sacral thrust, and a gains lens test. Um, gains lens. And then there's... That brings there's, me back. Uh, there's another one, I, I think it's called Tenel's. I don't know. No, but you, Tenel's is... Oh, no, Tenel's is... Yeah, Tenel's, yeah. Um, uh, there's another one, but you pretty much just tell, you ask them to point to where their to pain the pain is. Mm. And if their ah. pain is within the sacroiliac joint, um, 
then we're like, well, it must be there. <laughs> Stupid testing. But Pain is here. <laughs> I think they've got to have four out of six or four out of seven um, positive tests, positive results for it to actually be the sacroiliac joint. Um, and again, relatively easy to treat. Um, you know, you want to sort of look at the muscles involved around it, looking at what the pain is doing, um, just like anything else. I mean, um, when it comes to like um, investigating what's going on, you need so many tests and so many uh, things to to know what's going on because like I said earlier at the start of the podcast, there's so many intricate muscles that go through in and out of the actual um, of the muscle itself, of the uh, hip itself. So in order to really, um, I guess, investigate, that's actually SIJ, uh, the sacroiliac joint, um, the compression and distraction, which by the way, distraction is you push against the AS, ASIS. Is that right? ASIS, right? Yeah. You push against the ASIS um, in the opposite way. So you kind of sometimes a lot of some people pull them. Some people just like push while crossing their arms. It's a little bit hard to kind of describe, but that's a way to, to distract as well as uh, compression is just being on the side and pushing. So then that, that's the one I remember the most because I, I use that the most. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Distraction <laughs> and compression are opposites. Um, we, of, we often use distraction. Um, so yeah, you're just like pulling them apart. Um, it's easier if you get them lying supine um, and you put your right hand on your their left hip or on their left ASIS and uh, your left hand on their right one and you push outwards. Um, it, it can be a little bit uncomfortable. Um, but you're not looking, you're just looking for any movement. Um, and because that movement sort of, uh, compresses, uh, compresses that, that joint. Um, so it reduces the size of it. Um, you know, if you, if that sort of relieves their pain or anything like that, you can look at if their hips are rounding, um, if they're coming in in the front or you can do the opposite which is distraction, compression, um, where you're pushing them together. Yes. Yep. Just, yeah. So distraction, you, yeah, you're closing that joint, sorry, and compression, you're pushing the, pushing the two hips together. Um, so that opens the joint. Sorry. Yeah. But still, you're looking for sort of the same structures. Something that you touched on earlier that I want, because we're kind of running out of time, but I really wanted to touch on too, is the position of the feet and knees to dictate uh, the lower back and the, the hip condition. Um, something that I see a lot because currently I work in a shoe store is, and, and what we talked about a lot is uh, the positioning of the feet and how it can really misalign, sometimes misalign the knee, therefore misalign the hip, therefore misalign the lower back. It's kind of like a cascade effect. Um, and you get to see that a lot with people with uh, either like flat feet or over or Extending arches, maybe a, a pronate or a supinate. You kind of want to see the uh, the positions of the feet and knees, and if, especially if also someone's got like a, a knee or leg con in condition too, you can kind of see sometimes the hip being displaced one side more than the other. So there's a lot of factors that you need to kind of take into consideration when when treating uh, like maybe a sometimes a bilateral, a bilateral, lateral, but like 
um, a one-sided pain um, because there could be like a, a pain or an ailment in the knee or, or whatever the position of the feet. Yeah. Feet are, feet are very important. Um, I work, well, um, my clinic space is out of a podiatrist's office um, and, you know, talking to them about uh, feet conditions and feet pain and stuff uh, can be quite, um, can be quite involved. And, you know, obviously Chinese med, you know, we're talking about the body holistically all the time and reflexology and kinesiology and, you know, all these different, um, ologies, ologies. <laughs> <laughs> um, technical term. Yeah, that's it. Um, you know, the feet are you know, very, very important and, you know, we'll talk about knee and ankle next week. Um, so stay tuned for that. Keep your eye out uh, on Thursdays that will be released. Um, you know, so the feet, uh, they, they hold all of our body uh, constantly. Uh, so, you know, looking after your feet and, and making sure that you're doing the right thing for your feet, buying the right shoes, you know, is, is very important for your knees, your lower back, your upper back. Um, and it's all very connected. And to explain to a patient, yeah, okay, well, your lower back is, is coming from your shoes or your feet. Um, this is the way you walk. You're walking more like walking very much like a duck um, with your feet on the outside um, is, is very easy to explain to patients look this is this is how you're walking this is how you should be walking if we release some of these muscles um, and treat these muscles we can change how you walk so you won't get this pain long term um, and yeah, explaining to a patient sort of what you're doing and how you want to do it and what you want them to do is is you know, massive in musculoskeletal pain. Yeah, and for for like walking in that, it's a little bit tough just because no one really thinks consciously when they walk. So it's like, how do you fix something that you've learned since you were like uh, X years old? I don't know. I don't know when kids walk. Um, one or two. <laughs> about one. They one. should be walking about. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Daddy Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Another topic. Um, we going into reproduction. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's that? What's that competent incompetent thing? Um, I feel that like some of you guys know it. Competent incompetence. In there's like a there's like a thing. You become like competently conscious. Oh yes uh. yes yes. Unconsciously competent and all that. Oh yeah. All the in betweens. I think there's four of them. Do you know I, them? I just put two of those words and the opposites together. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Uh, I don't know much about that. So I'm going to stay out of that if we decide to actually talk about it. <laughs> well, I was just going to use it as a send-off, but... Oh, nice. If, if nobody has it, then... Uh, so you have your... <laughs> at the start, it's the... Clutch unconscious incompetence which is like you don't even know so that's the lack of awareness you then have the conscious incompetence so you know that you suck at it so that's when you're conscious <laughs> and incompetent there's conscious competence which is you still know that you suck at it but you're still trying sort of thing and there's unconscious competence which is like you've hit the god level so you know what you're doing and you don't need to use any forethought to do it. You just do it. Ultra instinct. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right. 
Thank miss, thanks, Mister Inconsciously Incompetent. <laughs> what? <laughs> what was that? Mister, oh no, consciously incompetent. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, what you're doing. Still stupid. Let's oh. sign off. As always, thank you for listening to the Forever Young podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram and join our discussion page. We would love to hear your thoughts on lower back pain and hip pain. And And as always, we're the Forever Young podcast and you'll hear from us next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.